a regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I may have made a slight mistake in my uh, choice of apparel today. I was just trying to show my love for the uh, great city of Indianapolis, Ram Brewery. I'm going to be filling in for uh, Tony Katz on uh, Tony Katz Today, which can be heard in Indianapolis uh, on Friday, but I didn't realize just how the framing of this shot would work. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. You can see you can see the Ram right there. Butt face ale for, you know, the Ram. Anyway, never mind. We're going to be talking about uh, beer today. We're not actually going to be talking about Indiana either. We're going to be talking about what is going on in the state of Arkansas, where a uh, wild conclusion to the legislative session has ended with a Second Amendment sanctuary bill that does have the support of Governor Asa Hutchinson. This is the uh, the good news here. The uh, headline, Arkansas Governor to Sign Bill Nullifying Gun Restrictions. Uh, that was not the case just a couple of days ago when uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson actually vetoed the Arkansas Sovereignty Act of 2021, uh, objecting to some of the language. And then things got really crazy. Uh, the state Senate voted to override the governor's veto, the state house, which on paper anyway should have had the numbers to override the governor's veto as well, decided instead, okay, we're going to rewrite the bill. <laughs> Don't have much time to do it. Just a couple of days left in the legislative session, but we're going to do a complete and utter rewrite of the legislation. And they did. And within about a 28-hour period, the state house introduced a new bill, ran it through committee, brought it to the floor, passed it, sent it over to the Senate where the Senate held a committee vote, sent it to the floor, and approved the measure as well. And now Governor Ace Hutchinson says, all right, my objections have been uh, uh, dealt with, and now this is a bill that I can sign. That that I, I, First of all, a couple of things. A, if uh, bills can move that quickly, <laughs> why don't they all move that quickly? Uh, but secondly, I think this is a, a really good thing. And we'll talk about the differences in the two pieces of legislation, but... Ultimately, this is how things should work. Uh, you know, the governor said, all right, look, there's some there's some problems here. The legislature said, OK, well, we'll address those problems and we'll send it back to you. And he signed the bill. And I think a good bill uh, is going to be signed into law here by Governor Hutchinson. So what has changed in the original Arkansas Sovereignty Act, as opposed to the act that was passed by the legislature in the waning hours of the maybe even the waning minutes of the legislative session, the bill that Governor H. Hutchinson says he will sign, as opposed to the bill that he vetoed. Uh, there are, are really two big changes. Uh, the first big change is in terms of what laws would not be recognized um, by the state of Arkansas. The original bill actually said basically any and all federal gun control laws are null and void within the confines of the state of Illinois, going back to the Firearms Act of 1934, including the Gun Control Act of 1968. And while that is really appealing to, uh, you know, Second Amendment advocates, from a legal perspective, it's probably going to be a non-starter, right? Uh, to say, all right, all of these uh, federal laws that have been on the books for decades, we, we're, we're now considering them null and void. Probably is not going to be successful uh, if that law were to be challenged in court. But Governor Hutchinson also noted that um, the law would have opened up some, some unintended consequences. Because the law also forbade law enforcement officers from cooperating in any way, shape, or form 
in the enforcement of any federal gun control laws. And if they did so, they could actually face criminal charges. It'd be a misdemeanor, but it would be a crime for a federal officer to assist federal law enforcement in any way, shape, or form with the uh, enforcement of any federal gun control laws. So how could this be problematic? I mean, there are a number of ways, but let's say that a local cop ends up uh, busting somebody for uh, being a violent felon in possession of a firearm. That's a state crime in Arkansas, but it's also a federal crime. And let's say this individual has a pretty lengthy criminal history. The state court system has not been enough to, uh, to, to change this guy's ways. And so a prosecutor refers that case instead to the U.S. attorney and says, can you take this case federal? Because this guy's going to get a longer sentence, um, and we really need to send a message here. If the U.S. attorney agrees, then all of a sudden, that local officer who made the arrest could be seen as cooperating uh, in the enforcement or aiding in the enforcement of federal gun control laws. And that officer could not only lose their job, but they could face a criminal charge as a result of that. I don't think that's what legislators were aiming for. So the bill has now changed substantively in, in two ways. Instead of declaring uh, null and void every federal gun control law under the sun, the bill now says that no new federal gun control laws will be recognized in the state of Arkansas. That, that I think, is, is a beneficial change. The other change that has been made relates to the actions of law enforcement officers who were to enforce uh, any new federal gun control laws. No longer would they face a, a criminal penalty for doing so, but they could be decertified. They could be prevented from uh, being a police officer in the state of Arkansas going forward if, let's say, Joe Biden's gun ban comes to pass and an officer says, all right, I'm going to go out and uh, round up some AR-15s today, uh, they could lose their job. But more importantly, the elected official who orders the officers to go out and start grabbing AR-15s, the, the elected officer under this bill in Arkansas could still face criminal charges, uh, an unspecified misdemeanor offense. I'd, I'd prefer, I'd, I'd actually prefer a tweak to this. I'd actually prefer, here's what I think the law should be. And maybe they can go back and change this next year. I think that the punishment should fit the crime. So if, for example, Joe Biden's gun ban were to pass and become law, federal law, under the terms of what Biden has announced, anybody who kept a hold of their AR-15 didn't register with the government, just kept it, could be looking at a 10-year federal prison sentence and a $100,000 fine for every gun that they kept and didn't register under the National Firearms Act. So let's say, again, hypothetically, Biden's gun ban takes effect. And let's say you've got, uh, you know, mayor of Little Rock or mayor of a Bentonville, Arkansas, that says, we're, we're going to enforce this law. I want you guys to go out there and start rounding up these guns. I think that under the Arkansas Sovereignty Act, that mayor should actually face a 10-year state prison sentence and the possibility of a $100,000 fine. In other words, whatever the, 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 the criminal penalty for that new federal gun control law is, that should be the penalty applied to any elected official who demands that the uh, local law enforcement actually aid federal officials in enforcing those gun control laws. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. 
certainly would send more of a message than a uh, an unspecified misdemeanor. That's probably the one part of the bill that I I really don't like. I'd like to see more teeth for those uh, elected officials who say, go out and enforce these uh, gun control laws. But I do believe that this actually improves the legislation. I think that it makes it uh, stand on far firmer legal ground because there is existing Supreme Court precedent that says local and state law enforcement do not have to do the job of federal law enforcement officers. Now, they can't stand in the way. They can't actually prevent federal law enforcement officers from doing their job, but they don't have to assist. They don't have to lift a finger to help, and they don't have to do the job of federal law enforcement officers for them. This is a, a, an issue that goes back to the 1990s uh, in a case called Prins versus U.S., where the Supreme Court ruled that county sheriffs did not have to uh, perform background checks on gun sales. Uh, one of the, uh, when the, when the Brady Act was first put in place, you know, it established the national instant check system. But in that period of time, after the law had been enacted and before the NIC system had been set up, county sheriffs were supposed to perform all these background checks. And Sheriff Jay Prince sued, saying, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility. It's not a state law. And the U.S. Supreme Court agreed, said, no, you're right. You, you don't have to perform these background checks. If the federal government requires that background checks be performed at every gun sale, well, they need to be the ones to actually provide that background check system, not county sheriffs. And we've seen in the decades since governments use that decision for uh, a number of efforts, including, by the way, uh, you know, sanctuary cities or California sanctuary state law when it comes to not aiding ICE in the enforcement of our immigration laws. Uh, California and all of these sanctuary cities are, are, are relying on the precedent that was set in Prins. And the Second Amendment sanctuary movement is also relying on the precedent that was set in Prins. So the new language in Arkansas that uh, I think comports quite well with Prince, I, I think is is very likely to stand up to uh, any sort of legal challenge, and I'm I'm again I'm I'm really glad to see that lawmakers in Arkansas were able to do this rather than let a good bill die. They actually I think made improvements to the legislation, uh, did it in just a you know matter of I mean really less than two days, uh, and now you've got a bill that, that does protect the right to keep and bear arms in the state of Arkansas. And it has the backing not only of the legislative branch, but of the executive branch as well. Now, if, if Governor uh, Hutchinson, by the way, had, had said, I'm going to veto this bill too, I think the House probably would have overridden the governor's veto of the, the first, the original Arkansas Sovereignty Act, but they didn't have to get there. Uh, instead, they were able to get it done, uh, get a, a good bill on the books, and ensure that the right to keep and bear arms is not going to be whittled away uh, by the federal government there in the natural state. So congratulations to those uh, lawmakers in Arkansas on getting it done. If you're an Arkansas gun owner, by the way, you should probably reach out to your uh, state rep and your state senator to say thanks for, for doing this work. I think you guys are going to have a, a good bill. It does Look, to be honest, it does not go as far as the original legislation, but at the same time, it's also on firmer legal ground. So that's the trade-off. 
And I know that there are going to be some folks who are disappointed and say, man, you know, that, that, the, the language of that first bill was so much better. Philosophically, yes, I agree. But these are lawmakers. These aren't philosophers. And so they're putting laws on the books. And we want laws, we want good laws that are aimed at protecting our right to keep and bear arms. We don't, we don't want them to be dismissed the first time they're challenged in court. Because at that point, it was a waste of time and effort. If you're, if you're going to make a law, it seems to me that you should try to make a law that is constitutional, a law that uh, is not going to be struck down. Gun control advocates obviously have a very different philosophy about that, by the way. Uh, but I'm glad to see that uh, Second Amendment supporters in Arkansas are um, trying to get as much as they can uh, without weakening their own argument. So congratulations again to the uh, gun owners in Arkansas, the Arkansas legislators. And uh, I'm glad to see Governor Asa Hutchinson is going to sign the new revised Arkansas Sovereignty Act. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there, a case out of North Carolina, excuse me, a case out of uh, New Mexico, which, by the way, has now red flag laws on the books, got universal background checks, still have problems like this. Troubled Albuquerque teen locked up again after violating probation. By the way, this headline is a classic case of, of uh, underselling the story. Troubled teen locked up again. 19-year-old Mylon Bill, no stranger to law enforcement. Police have connected him to a number of crimes around the city of Albuquerque starting when he was just 16 years of age. And on Thursday of last week, he was arrested again. Shooting a pregnant woman. Stealing vehicles. Shooting a teen outside of a movie theater. Just a few things that Mylon Bill's been connected to. By the time he was 16, police say he had already managed to rack up 44 felony cases against him. At the age of 16, Judge Daniel Gallegos said to him uh, back in 2019 at a detention hearing, Mr. Bill, you just turned 18. Welcome to the real world. The things you may have been able to get away with when you were under 18 aren't going to fly anymore. Yeah, sure. In August of last year, Mylon Bill was convicted of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, having a stolen car and a stolen gun as an adult. His sentence, two years in prison, followed by supervised probation. After credit for time served, Bill was released in March. He didn't even do a year of his two-year prison sentence. Welcome to the real world, Mr. Bill, where you're not going to get away with these heinous crimes anymore. Nope. Now you're going to have to do a few months behind bars every time you get caught with a stolen firearm as a convicted felon. So he was released again uh, back in March. He's been taken into custody again as well. He was arrested last Thursday at uh, Central and Eubank, for violating his probation. Deputy Joseph Montiel with the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office says he was wanted for a probation violation of four separate charges of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. So it really wasn't that it was a probation violation. It was that he is accused of shooting at four different people. Now he's back at the Metropolitan Detention Center. Yeah. Deputy Montiel says we're happy to work with our federal partners to track down the most egregious criminals in the city and the county at the ripe age of 19. That is very unfortunate. Yeah. It is very unfortunate. It's also really unfortunate is that lawmakers in New Mexico 
again, are focusing on putting more gun laws in place aimed at legal gun owners. When you've got guys like Mylon Bill running around committing violent crimes, it seems like, oh, I mean, 44 felony cases before this guy even turned 18 years of age. I, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I've managed to go almost 47 years without racking up a single felony charge in my life. you got to work pretty damn hard to get 44 felony cases against you before you turn 18. And yet lawmakers in New Mexico, they're not concerned about Milan Bill. They're not passing any legislation aimed at actually dealing with violent juvenile offenders or, uh, you know, I don't know, increasing the uh, sentences for violent adult offenders. Nope. They're aimed at you and me and other responsible gun owners. That, that, that's, their, that's where all of their legislative efforts are targeted, putting more restrictions on people who want to abide by the law while they continue to give slaps on the wrist to individuals like Mylon Bill, who I suspect we'll be hearing from again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, today's Armed Citizen story, actually a uh, follow-up to a story we told you about earlier in the week uh, out of Rock Hill, South Carolina. This woman who uh, uh, shot her boyfriend in self-defense while she was being attacked. Turns out she was actually holding a baby when she was forced to shoot her attacker. Um, Lieutenant Ryan Flood with the uh, Greenville County Sheriff's Office said that uh, 37-year-old Christopher Druvon Kennedy was accused of hitting and choking a woman he was in a relationship with. She was holding a nine-month-old baby at the time of the attack. Kennedy's also accused of attacking a man who tried to help this woman. According to uh, Lieutenant Flood, the woman located a firearm and a piece of Kennedy's clothing while he was attacking the uh, unidentified man, and uh, she fired at Kennedy when he later charged at her. Flood confirmed that uh, investigators think the woman fired in self-defense. I mean, it seems to be pretty clear that that's the case. Kennedy looks like he's going to survive his uh, injuries. At last report, in stable but uh, critical condition at an area hospital. He's now charged with first-degree domestic violence, unlawful neglect of a child, third-degree assault and battery, as well as a uh, felon in possession of a firearm. Given what we just talked about with our last story, all of those charges probably going to amount to uh, what? At best, nine months to a year in prison. Now, they could take that felon in possession case federal, in which case Kennedy would be looking at uh, minimum five years in prison, having to serve 85% of that sentence before he's eligible for early release. I, I'd like to hope that that's what prosecutors are going to do here, but um, sadly, I've got no faith that that is what's going to happen. Finally today, our good deed of the day, Indiana, Lake County, where an off-duty conservation officer and a nurse in the right place at the right time will unable to do the right thing to save a man's life. Happened uh, just a couple of days ago, according to uh, WTHR, uh, it really was just a case of being in the right place at the right time. It was about 4.30 uh, p.m. Monday afternoon, Officer Alex Neal off-duty uh, near the intersection of Ridge Road and Indianapolis Boulevard in Lake County when he saw several people starting to perform CPR on a guy who had been removed from a vehicle. Um, Neal saw the person who was trying to do CPR struggling, and he pulled over and stopped to help. He's a four-year veteran of uh, the Department of Natural Resources Law Enforcement. When he took over, the 66-year-old man was not breathing, did not have a pulse. For several minutes, Neal and an unidentified nurse who also stopped to help perform chest compressions. Highland police officers arrived. 
and uh, uh, helped to assist Neil and the nurse. When medics got there, they used an automatic external defibrillator to uh, shock the heart, and the uh, 66-year-old man's heart began beating again. They found a pulse. He was taken to a local hospital, where at last report, he is uh, reported actually to be doing pretty well and is expected to recover. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, Officer Alex Neal there in Indiana, as well as that uh, unidentified nurse and all of the other good Samaritans, by the way, I mean, who, who saw what was going on and stopped to help out. Uh, because if, if they hadn't done that, who knows if Officer Neal would have even seen anything wrong. He might have just kept driving by. So we know Officer Neal's name. We don't know the names of the other good Samaritans. But whoever you are, we thank you very much for your very good deed. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Uh, don't forget, by the way, if you are a, a fan of Bearing Arms Cam and Company or a fan of BearingArms.com, why not become a VIP subscriber? You can uh, do so really easily. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. You can use the code GUNS, G-U-N-S, and get 25% off of your membership. It's going to give you exclusive access to original content, uh, live chats, and more. Uh, and you'll also be helping to support the mission of BearingArms.com, bringing you the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. We certainly do appreciate your support. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to even go further, you can become a VIP gold member, get you uh, special access to all of the town hall media websites, including BarronArms.com, Twitchy, Red State, Town Hall, obviously, uh, PJ Media, Hot Air. You can uh, take part in the weekly chats we do with uh, Hot Air's Ed Morrissey and myself. In fact, that's available on demand for our VIP gold subscribers. Uh, we just did a, a great chat yesterday talking about uh, actually mostly Second Amendment news. Sometimes it varies. But uh, yesterday was probably 80% uh, Second Amendment stuff in our uh, weekly live chat. So a couple of ways for you to uh, support the the site and the uh, folks who are uh, involved in uh, bringing this information to you. And again, we really do appreciate your support. You can also subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss one of these programs. Or at uh, Rumble.com, just look for Bearing Arms Cam and Company. You can look for Cam and Company as well on Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. And, of course, the townhall.com podcast page. We will be back on Monday here on Bearing Arms Cam and Company, but we're going to be updating the website throughout the weekend with the latest Second Amendment news that you need to know. So be sure to check out bearingarms.com. And until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free.